Having Sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system. And I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, math, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Recently, we had some family visiting, and on our way to dinner, we popped on an episode of Mysteries About True Histories, math, with my niece and nephew in the car. In this episode, Max and Molly travel back in time to solve a mystery from the order of the problem solvers, along with lots of kid humor mixed in. It was a fun way to enjoy our car ride together and opened the door for some interesting conversation about history and understanding some of the mysteries of the past. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and meal times, and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. You're listening to Voices of Your Village, and today we get to dive in with Wendy Snyder. I got to chat with Wendy all about compassionate discipline. I don't know about you, but I feel like this is one of those topics that is just a hot button one. Like, what is discipline? What's the difference between discipline and punishment? How do we navigate boundaries and discipline? with compassion? How do we really connect with the human in front of us and be mindful of our triggers and aware of our like, especially for me, like defiance is such a trigger. And so when it comes time for discipline, when there's been defiance, I can feel it all in my body. Like my chest is tight. I can feel the rage building and I'm triggered, right? And so it was so fun to get to dive in with Wendy on what this looks like to truly be compassionate in this process. I'm so excited for y'all to get to dive in to this one with me. Before we do, I wanted to let you know that my first book, Tiny Humans, Big Emotions, is available for pre-order right now. You can head to seedandso.org slash book to pre-order. And then after you do, come back to that same website, www.seedandso.org slash book, because you get to pop in your name and email and I will send you some goodies. We are sending bonuses to all of our pre-order community from now until the book publishes October 10th with HarperCollins. And I'm so excited for what's coming your way. Just some fun things will hit your inbox kind of at random times, but really the best times when you really need them. So head on over to seedandso.org slash book to order Tiny Humans Big Emotions now. All right, folks, let's dive in. Hey there, I'm Alyssa Blass Campbell. I'm a mom with a master's degree in early childhood education and co-creator of the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. I'm here to walk alongside you through the messy, vulnerable parts of being humans raising other humans with deep thoughts and actionable tips. Let's dive in together. Hey 
Hey everyone, and welcome back to Voices of Your Village. Today, I get to hang out with Wendy Snyder. You know her as the gal who runs Fresh Start Family. If you're not following, you hopefully will be soon. Um, so much wisdom over from Wendy, and she's a mom of two. She's a certified parenting educator and family life coach, and I find, I think the the thing that draws me most to you, Wendy, is well, first of all, your energy. I feel like I told Aww. you this the last time I talked to you, I was like, every time I see you, I'm like, oh my God, I leave feeling brighter. Uh, <laughs> you're always so like put together too. And I'm like, ow. Um, but you speak about and with kids with such respect. And mm-hmm. it's something that it's just a core value of mine is respect, respect for all humans. And I don't think we always give that to kids. And I feel like you really genuinely do. Mm, what a nice compliment. Well, thank you, Alyssa. Thank thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you today. And this is one of my favorite subjects to teach on that we're going to talk about today. And what an honor, right? Like this is my favorite thing in the world of my job is podcasting and getting to know amazing other educators of the world like you. So it's really fun to be here today. Yeah, I'm jazzed to have you. So today we get to chat about compassionate discipline, which I think is rad because it's tough to wrap our head around when we grew up in maybe a punishment or shame or blame culture. And maybe we had somebody yelling at us or we had threats or bribery. And now we want to do this differently. And it's like, okay, but how? Because when I open my mouth and my mom comes out and it's yeah. really from like what I know in childhood and like, sometimes it's great. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to do that differently, but like, how? right? So like what, first of all, what does compassionate discipline mean? Yeah. Well, when I think about discipline versus punishment, I just, I, I feel like it's, I know it's rooted in the future, right? I feel like punishment is rooted in the past. It's about, it's, it's kind of this idea of like, and it's really a notion that I ponder often. It's like, where do we get the notion that in order to make a child behave better, we must first make them feel worse. Mm. And that's really usually what punishment is, right? Punishment is about retribution or, you know, like um, making sure that you pay the price for your mistake um, and you know that you did something bad. You did something bad. You're going to pay the price now. Um, so it's really about the past. And discipline is about training for the future. It's about mentoring our children and giving them the life skills for the future that they need in order to make a different decision tomorrow, not a better decision a different decision because mistakes are really one of our greatest gifts in the world to learn important life lessons. But cultural conditioning has painted the picture for centuries that mistakes are bad. They are dangerous, which I get it. Sometimes they are the rare percentage of life when, you know, of course we don't want our children running into the street. Of course we won't, don't want them touching a hot stove, which is always the like question I get, right? Like, I love this, Wendy, but what about this? And Mm -hmm. we can go there, right? We always go there. Um, but 95% of the time, like mistakes are repairable. They are amendable. It's not a four alarm fire. Um, and so when we have this mindset that they are actually often our best way to teach our children, not even our best way. They are life's best way to teach children, especially if you have a strong-willed kiddo who likes to do things on their own and learns by doing. That's one of the things I love supporting 
all families of all kinds, but especially those who have been blessed with these very strong-willed personalities who are so determined and um, just are so good at listening to their own voice. And they learn by doing. They actually jump off the couch (laughs) and land in a way that hurts sometimes, right? Or they actually, you know, when they stub their toe because they didn't put on their Crocs and they wanted to go out front and ride their scooter, they they take it in so well when they experience it themselves. Not that all mistakes are about kids getting hurt, but it's just, it's such a good opportunity to learn. So that's what discipline is, right? I think of like Olympic athletes. Um, you know, if you look at the Winter Olympics and someone who goes and skis and competes in downhill, like it took them hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, probably even thousands of times, like executing, going down that hill in that particular way, weaving in and out of those gates, um, crashing many times, right? And recovering, like mindset work, all the things. That's how you get to a place where you win an Olympic gold medal. So it's practice, it's it's discipline, it's um, getting up and trying again. It's, it's so forward focused. It's so tomorrow focused. And it's, you know, it's always done with that um, mindset of we are our kids coaches. So sports just really is a great analogy that helps me think about discipline and how it's um, different than punishment. Yeah. So I I am one of those kids where like I was 18 months old and my mom laid out an outfit and I said, I want a different one. And like, (laughs) I'm not a lie. And that has been me where like still today, like you set up a boundary for me and I'm like, great. I cannot wait to push that. Like me too. I, that resonates so much with me. And so when I would receive threats or punishment, that just fueled my fire. Like, oh, I was going to do it. And now, now I'm going to do it and try and get away with it. And if I do get caught, I'm just going to lie about it. Like yeah. that. Perfect. Yep. That's exactly Hello, what happened. Teenage Alyssa. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Yeah. We got really good at hiding it, right? Like so we get good. really good at hiding it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, I had thrown a party at my house maybe 16 and my parents were out of town and I'm one of five kids, but my three older brothers were out of the house at this point. It's me and a younger brother. He had gone with my parents for the weekend to a thing. I threw a party at my house and I don't know if you know Zima. It was like, oh, yeah. Um, I remember yeah, Zima. yeah, yeah. Like Mike's hard. Um, <laughs> my mom finds some Zima in my dresser drawer a few days later. And she is like, uh, Alyssa, what's this? And I was like, Oh, I have no idea. And she's like, what do you mean? You have no idea. It's in your dresser. And I was like, yeah, I've never seen it before. Mm -hmm. And just immediately was like, I know if I tell the truth, I'm in trouble, right? There's not going to be a way in which I tell the truth and I'm not getting punished. And so it's worth it for me to lie, to try and not get punished. And she's like, she said, she was like, I don't believe you. And I was like, okay, well, it's not mine. I don't know how I got there. And she couldn't prove it otherwise. And so she tried, she was like, well, until you can tell me the truth, you're going to be grounded. And I was like, okay, well, I'm telling you the truth. So that must mean I'm not grounded. And that was a negotiation. You're good. I love it. Double down. Right. And so I think one of the things for me, when I look at discipline, I'm like, oh man, I see how punishment doesn't work longer term. Like maybe when we have young kids 
and we're like, no, I can, I can assert power over, but eventually you can't. And so then what does your relationship look like? Yes. And it is the most fun stage of life ever right now, Alyssa, because my kids are 12 and 15 now. And so I started this work when Stella was three and I almost lost my mind. I thought I was going to like, I I thought I was like, I do not want to be a mother. I don't like my child. Something's wrong with her. Something's wrong with me. Like, this is awful. Um, But that was, I was like almost 13 years ago now. And so my little guy's 12. He was born with this stuff, right? Like, like you're, you're a little guy, right? Like they never know anything different and we still mess up and make mistakes and we're imperfect, but it's just different. Stella, like we did a full 180 when she was three years old and we did like up until then we were like everyone and their uncle was like, this is how you do it. You just try, try spanking, try the timeouts, try the force, like punishment stuff. We did the full 180, but, um, but now as teenage, a teenager, it is wild to see the effectiveness. Like it is brilliant. It works so well. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like what we all dream of as parents, like to have this rock solid relationship where your child trusts you. They can tell you anything. They come to you when they make a mistake. And if, if you catch them doing something, they're like, okay, fine. Like I'm here, mom, mentor me, like, you know, or, um, it's just so amazing. And then to see how they stand so apart from the crowd, because I'm in Southern California and, I am like tripping watching what's happening. And it's been a really interesting season for me because I'm kind of reliving my own teenage years right now. Sure. Um, because I did, I, I have the, your exact, exact story, right? Like you, you just got straight A student, great athlete, got my older brother was a nightmare. He got in trouble. And I was like, I, don't, I know how to hide this well. Like, but I was partying by the age of 16. I was hiding. I couldn't talk to my family. Totally. There was no, like, I love them dearly, just like you, right? Like they're amazing. And there was no talking. No, there was no admitting mistakes. Like you would get grounded. You would get punished. You would get shamed. Like shame was a big thing, right? Like shame on you. Mm. I'm just now experiencing like the most radical healing at age 45 years old from shame that I realize I've been carrying for decades, but, um, but it just wasn't there. Right. So now with my own kids and especially my 15 year old, cause that's the peak season of teenhood, right. I'm just pinching myself. And it is the most beautiful thing in the world to see these kids who grow up with this stuff or have parents who practice it at whatever age. Cause it's never too late. It is never too late, right. To flip your script and to do things different, but they have their own self-control and self-regulation out in the world. They know what is a healthy way to feel powerful and what is an unhealthy way to feel powerful. They understand like this is a need to belong here. This is where this temptation comes in. And this is a healthy way to belong. And this is an unhealthy way to belong. They understand that if I cave to peer pressure and I do make a mistake, it doesn't make me a bad person. It just means I made a choice that now is going to have consequences that now I get to decide if I'm going to keep going down that route or not. And it just, it's like the most empowering, beautiful thing to watch. And so that's a season I'm in. And um, it's just really fun to be able to talk to all the ages now, right? Like I 
remember the the little years well and all this stuff works so well with that but then as you you get older as they as they get older you see these long-term effects and the sustainability of it and it's just absolutely beautiful because a lot of people think that if you don't punish your kids it's permissive and they're not going to learn and it's just it couldn't be farther from the truth it is the opposite mm-hmm. when you are in a punishment model you are actively creating disconnection and um it just in the long term, it not only has detrimental effects, but kids just get really good at hiding, lying, and then carrying shame, which is sure. the saddest part about it. Yeah. So that sounds dreamy. And let's talk about the how. You yeah. have the four R's for compassionate discipline. What yeah. are let's walk through each R. Yeah. So the four R's is what I like to help to use to help us guide when we're creating logical consequences and logical consequences is actually just one component of a really nice, full compassionate discipline toolkit. So a compassionate discipline toolkit is really like a it's self calming. So from the gate, right? Like from the get go, like so much of your amazing work is about teaching this ability to self-regulate, to self-calm, to like realize when you're out of sorts, to bring yourself back to a state of being centered and able to act in integrity in line with who you are, who you're designed to be like that, that natural right now I'm reading the book, um, effortless by Greg McKeown. He also wrote essentialism. It's like that idea of the effortless state for the body is calm and regulated. So it's like, how do you get back there? You you teach that from a very young age. And of course you model it, right? Which is a whole lifetime of work. Um, And then, so that's the first component of compassionate discipline toolkit. And then the second component of a compassionate discipline toolkit is natural consequences. And those are like, like I mentioned earlier, if your kid, you're like, put on your shoes, put on your shoes, put on your shoes. And they're like, they don't, and then they stub their little toe. Sure. And in, you know, the classic way is like, well, I told you so that's what happens when you don't listen. Instead, it's like, oh gosh, like that hurt. Like, what did you learn? What did you learn from that mistake? What do you think you can do next time? So you don't stub your toe. That's like a great example of a natural consequence or Stella, when she was little was the, she, we called her the polar bear. She was the hot, hot weathered girl, like, or what is it called? Hot blooded girl. So we'd go to the parade. And for years, I was like, you have to wear your jacket. You have to wear your, you're going to catch a cold, right? Which is, I've realized is a wives tale. Like if they're already catching a cold, they might maybe be more susceptible, but kids are not going to get sick from being cold, right? So finally I gave that one up and would just allow her to go to the Christmas parade, but I'd like pack an old, like weird jacket from her you know, I don't know, something that wasn't her favorite. And if she got cold, she experienced the coldness and then she got to ask for help. Like that's examples of natural consequences. And the more we can do those, the better we are. Like those are actually the best teachers for children. Like when they experience it themselves. Sure. And and I think then comes logical consequences, but go ahead. I just think what's powerful in that is like, you're not doing the, because I said so, or the, Mm -hmm. the, 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 I told you so rather like, it's it's that ability and this is what I have to regulate in the moment like the other day we were coming out of the store and Sage didn't have rain boots on and he wanted there was a puddle there and he wanted to jump in it and I said if you jump in that puddle your socks and shoes and your pants are going to feel wet on your body he's a tactically sensitive kid he hates that feeling and we're getting in the car to drive like we're not 
this isn't a time where like ha- we're gonna go through I have a I don't have a spare pair of shoes yeah. for the next thing. Like it's like you're going to have wet clothes and wet shoes on your body. And he was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, jump in the puddle. And I was like, right. okay, if you jump in that puddle, you will be wet. He goes over, he jumps in the puddle, he has a blast. And about 14 seconds after we're done and we're walking to the car, he was like, all wet, take it off, take it off, all wet. I don't like it. And I was like, oh man. And this is where I want to say, like, I told you if you jumped in that puddle, you'd be all wet and it'd be uncomfortable. And I was like, oh buddy. And the the empathizing there without doing that is so hard for me. And that's my, like one of my greatest pieces of work is popping down and empathizing and connecting. And then later bringing in the like, hey, next time. But that not doing it in the moment because yeah. it's what I received growing up. Like not doing that in the moment is so hard. Isn't that amazing? Like, and I love that awareness, right? Like that you, after thinking about that yesterday, you're just like, that's so interesting. Like my body was all like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And like, just that awareness and like so much of integrating what you teach, right. With yourself. I love being a life coach and a parenting educator. Cause half the time you're walking yourself off your own ledge inside your head. <laughs> Totally. Just being like, look at that. That's so fascinating. I'm really like uncomfortable with this happening and him being uncomfortable and then also fearing the meltdown. Right. Like, that's like, it's going to make my life harder. Yeah. Like, I'm going to have to endure the tears. And we all know that the more we react to it, right. And we have this tone of like, oh, no, the day is over now. Then that's more likely to cause them to think the day is over now that I have to ride home wet. Right. When we, if we can just, like work towards getting to more and more because we're going to mess up all the time, but it's like more and more of those times where you can be like, oh yeah, you're right. You are wet. All right. What are you going to do about it? When we get in the car, what are you going to choose to do? Like whatever it may be, but yeah, especially with the strong-willed kids, um, the natural consequences are absolutely beautiful. And then really using them to, 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 and again, it might not be in the moment, but it's like, what did you learn from that? You know, how are you going to take care of yourself tomorrow? How are you going to choose to stay dry? Or would you choose to do it again? And you know, it was, was it worth it? Like just the conversations, strong-willed kids eat up natural consequences and they just respond incredibly well to them. So that's what we call when life does the teaching. They're so good at risk benefit analysis, right? And like cost benefit analysis and and navigating risk of like, yeah, was it worth it? Because sometimes for me, I'm like, yeah, that was worth it. The consequence was worth whatever I got to experience. And like, maybe Sage would jump in that puddle again, (laughs) you know, like, fine, but he gets to decide that and, and know the full scope. Yeah. I think that that's huge is that Mm -hmm. if we go into the consequence conversation with this goal that they are like, oh yeah, next time I'm going to wear my crock. So I don't stub my toe. They might be like, yeah, no, that wasn't that bad. I don't think I'm going to wear them again. But then we let that go. Like stepping out of kids ways, stepping out of their way is so hard. (laughs) I know. Right. And, and like trusting that their innate wisdom, yeah. like if there's pain and especially blood, but like they know, they know, right. Like there's the chance of them making the decision to stub their toe again is really like, but the puddle sure. one, that one, you know, like letting go of that. Right. Sure. Or like not wearing the jacket, like letting go of that and really being like, okay, this is uncomfortable for me because I feel like I know better. Mm-hmm. I feel like, but like, then you get really good at like designing, like you bring in the backup jacket, right. Or you just become more like, you just always have the backup clothes or whatever it may be. Um, 
And that becomes more of your game versus like trying to make them not do things. Um, so yeah, natural consequences are are beautiful. They're amazing. And yes, they can be tough and um, just re re like wiring our brain just to get first and foremost out of the habit of saying, well, that's what you happens. That's what happens when you don't listen. Or I told you so. And still to this day, I mm-hmm. still like, and sometimes I do allow myself to say it. I remember, oh yeah, Stella, she just did it the other day. She went to the gym last night on her bike and it's like freezing here right now. Freezing for us is like 52 degrees or something. <laughs> it's like a balmy summer day. For, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and, and I said, I think you're going to be cold, babe. And uh, she was like, mom, I'll be fine. And she got home. And at this age, it's like, it was just more of a joke, but I did allow myself to say, what did I say? You know, like, so sure. we don't have to be perfect here, but especially with the little ones who like are very often sensitive to that kind of stuff when they're little like we just want to stay away from it because it just gets right in the way and then all of a sudden the lesson is gone and you're like dang it because with strong-willed kids especially it becomes so fast about you versus them yeah power right Mm -hmm. like that that zima thing you told about is such a great example because um that became like about you and your mom Like it didn't become about like, Hey, let me mentor you on like what it looks like to like, if you're going to drink, start like, Oh, that was not at all. It was just like, what is this? You're going to be punished. You're going to be punished. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I was like, I will go down with this shit. Right. And so, so the, the lesson, the beautiful life skill that you want to teach a teenager, um, is there's it's not even present. It's not even there, right? It's all about you and your mom. It's all about like, how do I avoid punishment? How do I? So yeah, so that's that's that side of it. And then so to the four R's that you had asked about. So that is the good, like everyone's like, okay, let's get there. The logical consequences. And this is what everyone has a tendency to want to jump to because it most similarly mimics punishment and it is not punishment, right? But I think it's what everyone wants to talk about the most when they first learning, when they first start learning this stuff, because again, it's, it's the closest, right? Like you did something. So I'm going to do something to teach you a lesson, but that's not the tone, right? The tone is more like, Hey, you made a mistake and everybody makes mistakes. Mistakes don't make you bad. Um, They just are opportunities to learn. And one of my biggest jobs in life as your your parent is to help you learn from life and, and make um, decisions that keep you healthy, that keep your body safe, keep other bodies safe, um, that type of thing. And so the four R's when you're designing logical consequences, just keep you on track. So you want them to be related. That's the number one way that most parents realize they're, they're punishing. They're not disciplining is if like, for example, if you yank your kids like iPad time, because they rolled their eyes at you. Like, tell me how in the world it's related. Now I'm, because I'm an educator, I can actually get there. If I have, I'm with a client who we can get there. Like if they're watching shows that are like modeling this all the time, I can, but most of the time, if parents are being honest, it's not related to the role, the eye rolling or even them smacking their sister. Right. Um, And even like, if you look at some of the traditional stuff of timeout, like go sit in the corner and think about what you did wrong is not really related to what is the life skill that we're teaching to keep your hands to yourself. But related is one. Um, you want it to be respectful. And this one's, I people are like, well, what's respectful, right? Like respectful is from past centuries of humanity. It's questionable, right? Like mm-hmm. respect your, respect authority, 
think it's South Park. Respect my authority. Um, respect your elders, right? Like respect is like, but let's be clear. Like I always ask people, would would whatever you're thinking about implementing, would you do it to your neighbor? Would you do it to your grandma? Would you do it to your pastor? Would you do it to your friend, your best friend's kid? Mm-hmm. Most of the time, if there's even a thought of no, then it's not respectful. It's not respectful. Um, reasonable is another one. And then teaches responsibility is the big one. So this is where the empowerment piece comes in. So we we just all want so badly for our kids to do you know, things that are respectful to themselves and others when we're not looking. And so when we use external controls, we are setting ourselves up for failure and disappointment because if we're watching and we're tracking and we're like looking over their shoulder they're and they're motivated by fear of punishment, then they're probably, they may do what we want them to do in the moment. But really we want them to have self-control and to have intrinsic ways of knowing like how to avoid temptation, how to make a different choice when they're angry at their brother, whatever it may be, um, when we're not looking and we want them to be responsible for themselves. We, every year that our children get older, we want to slowly be backstepping our responsibility of making them, right? Like not that it, not that it's ever that we have to make them, but we, you know, when they're little, there's a lot of like, we do need to be there with them to pick them up or separate the siblings when they're fighting. Um, but as your kids get older, like you really want all the responsibility to be from an intrinsic state. And so that's your main biggest goal with discipline is you're teaching, you're teaching, you're teaching. How can you be responsible for yourself? How can you make a different choice tomorrow that feels better? Like with your own internal compass, with your your own heart, right? Like so much of discipline is guiding children to understand how did you feel after you made that mistake, right? Like after you said those things, after whatever it may be, like what were you feeling inside? After you lied, like what was that feeling inside? That's called guilt, kiddo. Let me teach you about guilt. Guilt is healthy. Guilt can drive us. Shame is not healthy, right? Like shame is what's wrong with me. Guilt is like, whoops, I wish I wouldn't have done that. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash voices. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. 
Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com Code VILLAGE for 20% off your order. Have you ever been like scrolling the internet and there's all these like tools for calming your child and how to regulate and whatever and you try them and your child just gets amped up or that doesn't work or you find yourself in these cycles where it's like epic meltdown, try to come back from it and you just feel like you're putting out fires all day long. If this is you, you aren't alone. And we collaborated with an occupational therapist to create our sensory profile quiz. This is gonna help you learn about what helps your child regulate, what's happening in their unique nervous system. We are all different in figuring out what you're sensitive to or what helps you regulate is the key for actually doing this work, for getting to a regulated state, for having tools for calming down, for having tools for regulation. Head on over to www.seedquiz.com to take the quiz for free. You can take it as many times as you like for as many humans as you'd like. And we will deliver results right to your inbox to get you kickstarted on this journey. Seedquiz.com. So that's a little bit about the four R's, um, but they're yeah. really nice guidance points. I love them. And I want to walk through an example to yeah. make it tangible. Mm-hmm. Um, so just the other day, we are playing in the living room and everything's like, great. We're having a good time and playing and being playful. And it's my husband and Sage and I and Sage turned and he hit Zach. He hit him across the face. And we're like, okay, freeze. <laughs> yeah. Now what? Yeah. <laughs> right? So like, now what? Now what do these four R's look like? Well, we actually wouldn't even go there. We would not go to the four R's because we would go to you for self-regulation first, right? Like you're, we would go to seed and sow. Like seed and sow <laughs> first, self-regulation. Like, oh, wow. Looks like you're, you know, you're having a lot of big feelings, like your Mm -hmm. whole zone of expertise, right? Like you're like, okay, I'm feeling like, oh gosh, my, my fists are tight. Daddy, how are you feeling? Like dad's got his fire coming out of his head. He's feeling like all these things in his body. looks like you're upset. We're upset. First thing we're all going to do. Ooh, it looks like we need a break. Like I need to step like, and for me and my people, (laughs) like 
90, I'm going to say 95% of the people who come to my table at Fresh Start Family, they're in a pretty reactive mode before they find me. That was my story, right? Like I, yeah. I was just like, I was a, um, I worked with kids since I was like 13 years. Yeah, 13. So I was a springboard diving coach, had my own program for years and years. And then I nannied in college and I was like, dude, I am awesome with kids. Right. And then I had my own and I'm like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I'm a yeller. Mm-hmm. I'm a grab wrist too tight. I'm going to like slam you a little bit too hard on the padded carpeted stair, but still like, oh my gosh, yeah. like I was, became a door slammer. Like what in the world? So like, um, it just caught me by surprise, but it felt so justified. Right. Sure. So most of the people that I work with and I find so many people like, and that's what I love about your work too, is we're just like, come as you are. Like, there's no shame. Totally. Like, no wonder that's your pattern, but that's the first and most important step is just to step to the side and go, whoa, having some big emotions right now, I'm going to step to the side and take care of myself. So I don't do something that I regret. Right. And so a lot of people, it's like, you know, it's just realizing that that is the first step to breaking the generational painful cycles that have been handed down. So that's self-regulation, right? Self-calming is your first tool in your discipline toolkit. You're going to teach your child how to do that. You're going to do that. And then you're going to come back together. So at that point, um, after everyone's calmed down, because we all know that nobody can teach, right, from a, um, a heightened emotional state and no one can learn from a heightened emotional state. And oftentimes there's so much beauty that comes from kids that is internally like uh, driven if we give them a little bit of space, right? Two and a half is too young. It's, I mean, you never know. He could come back after a self-calming break and be like, I saw I die. He's mad, especially coming from your family, right? Like, I'm sorry, daddy. <laughs> I was just mad or, you know, I was excited. Like so much of my little boys. Um, so my little guy is more of my air quotes, easygoing. He's just, he's sure. not, he didn't get the strong will gene, but he pushed um, somebody Oh, this is like my worst days as a parent. I like literally dipped into like three days of depression. Um, my best, one of my best friends who was the least on board with positive parenting that I had just started teaching, he pushed her little boy. They were four at the time. Taryn might've been three and a half off like a play structure, broke his wrist. Oh no. It was gnarly. It was a fracture, but still I've learned fractures are just as bad. It was gnarly. I was like, oh my gosh, talk about self-calming. I sent him to grandma's house. Thank God grandma had moved here three years earlier from Maryland. I sent him there for three days because I was just like, whoa, I was, I was freaking out. Like we all know it's about ourselves, right? But like everything, like who am I to teach this? Like Sure. What is wrong with me? Like, what is wrong with this kid? Like the, the everything, questioning everything. Like, I've, have I been drinking some Kool-Aid that, sure. you know, my kids like, and, and I'm, and uh, long story short is I realized afterwards, I calmed myself down and we did all the things. We did some logical consequences, which, you know, we'll talk about more in here in a second with examples, but I realized he was just excited. Mm-hmm. If that was a hit or that was a push out of excitement, it actually was not out of anger. Mm-hmm. So that was so amazing to me because I mean, with my youngest, like, or I'm sorry, with my oldest Stella, like everything was out of anger for the most part. Like if sure. she got physical, it was anger with Taryn, it was excitement. And so, um, 
that was a big moment. But in that self-calming space, like once you get yourself to a neutrality place, you can start to see things a little bit more clearer. And often kids will come back to the table and naturally make amends on their own. Again, if they're being raised in a house like this, right? Or you've been doing this for a little bit of time. Because if they're not in a house like this, they're going to deny, they're going to blame, they're going to say, like, it's not my fault. You took my block, right? Um, but the more you do this work, the more they just naturally say, whoops, I lost my coal. I made a mistake. But then let's say all that is there. And then you're like, okay, well, let's, we, we feel like we need to teach here because mm -hmm. obviously there's a missing life school skill. So in that situation, Alyssa, do you think, what do you think it was? Do you think it was frustration, excitement? Um, Honestly, it'll happen for both. So I think because for a lot of folks, the frustration one is harder to navigate than it is for excitement. Like if a kid hits because they're excited afterward, I think for us as adults, it feels a little different. Like, oh, they were amped up versus yeah. like if they hit because they're frustrated, at least for me, when he hits because he's frustrated, I'm so good at jumping to like, well, he's going to be a 16 year old bully. And this yeah. is what it's going to look like, right? <laughs> totally. Like so good at jumping there that I think that one is harder to navigate. So let's say he hit because he was frustrated. Say Zach said okay, yeah. like, no, we can't play that game or it is, we're going to be all done playing. We're going to go up for Tubby right now. And Sage turned and hit him. Yep. Okay, cool. So, so I'll, I'll just share with you my favorite logical consequences first, and then I'll tell you how, how a fun way that you could have navigated it that day. Once everyone had taken some time to calm down and get to that neutral state of emotional, you know, being, um, okay. So some of my favorite tools are um, redos, or some kids like to call them rewinds, right? Mm -hmm. Like on your watching watching Disney Channel and you rewind it. Rewinds or redos, role plays, which is like puppets, matchbox cars, like essentially those two um, are really my favorites. Um, every, anything you can do through play to teach an important life lesson is like magical. Um, and then actually like experiential things helps like the neural pathway, like really get paved, right? Like you're actually doing it. You're not just the thing you definitely, it, you don't want to do when you're trying to implement any logical consequences, sit a child down and say, look in my eyes, right? <laughs> like mm -hmm. sit down and listen. That was serious. We do not hit in our home. It's just going to go right over their head. So redos and role plays are great. And then makeups are wonderful too. So those are, those are the three that I'll hit today is like examples of logical consequences. There's other things. There's when I feel charts, there's, um, I am statements, there's stop signs. There's like all these cool crafts that, um, we can do. I have this folder that's like, you know, probably 10 inches thick or seven inches thick, um, full of like all of the activities I've done with my own kids over the last 12 years now. But a lot of it is like, almost like craft, like charts, those types of things. But if you go back to the redos role plays and then makeups, so makeups I didn't talk about. So makeups is like teaching your child that there are action steps you can do to repair a relationship to make amends when you've made a mistake when you've made a mistake and it's kind of a fun in, in our um foundations course our inside of our fresh start experience we teach about this but it's like we uh, I role play this where it's like a dollar bill right all these little fights and arguments and moments of either mentorship or disconnection we have with our kids if you picture a dollar bill it just starts to like create these little rips and every time that happens 
if you just repair it with like a little tape, the, the dollar bill actually becomes stronger. But if you don't repair, those little rips just keep adding up. And eventually, by the time your kids are teenagers, those rips are one solid rip and it just, the dollar bill tears in half. And it kind of like represents your relationship. So makeups are a fantastic way to use compassion and discipline because it teaches a child, hey, look, you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna make tears in relationships. You're going to do things that are unkind. You're going to say things that hurt people. You're going to take actions. And there's always a way to come back and repair that relationship. It's like if you think about flying on an airplane and you're like, um, you know, Southwest Airlines is like, oh, I'm so sorry. We have like a staffing thing. I'm like, we didn't hire enough people tonight. And I'm so sorry. Sorry. We're like, you're going to have to sleep somewhere and you're like, can I have some, like, no, we don't do that. Like, sorry, we don't. Yeah. But they're like, I'm sorry. Like, how much does that sorry do for you? It doesn't, it does nothing. You're just like so angry. Right. But if they come in with a makeup and they're like, Hey, look, we are really like, we're sorry. Like we, we didn't hire enough people. We, we, something got out of hand and we don't have enough staffing. We're going to have to cancel this flight, but I want to give you this certificate. You can go next door. You can have a nice warm bed tonight. Um, and we're going to make it up to you with, um, you know, um, a credit for more flight points or something. We want you to know this was a big mistake. We're going to learn from it. And thank you so much for your grace and patience with us. I know this is a big hassle. So that's an example of a makeup, right? Like, of course, you're so much more likely to fly Southwest again when the relationship has been repaired. So that's the same with children, right? So it's like, those, those are my favorite three, makeups, role plays, and redos. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. 
So in the situation with Sage, after everyone's calmed down, you could say to him, if he's in his room and he's doing his self-calming kid or he's, you know, he's drawing, like we have so many kids who learn to draw, right? When they're upset and then they come yeah. down and they're like, have this picture I've won in my little logical consequences folder that it's like this little girl and she drew like just tears it was like rain. It was like a rainstorm. She was probably six at the time. And there was just tears everywhere. And she came downstairs and she goes, mama, I feel better now. And I drew this picture. I was so sad and mad. And I'm so sorry that I did that or whatever. And she moved towards some type of reconciliation with her, her little brother or mom or whatever. Um, but I still have that little picture from the, to this day. But in that situation, so you could go into his room and you could just say, hey, how you doing? So it's like anger man almost, right? When they're in the alley and um, <laughs> they're like, whoa, so that, that got, you know, that got crazy fast, right? Like, I think what happened was, I think you, you might've just been feeling really frustrated, right? Like, cause I said, it was time to turn the TV off. And, and I think you love that show so much. And I think in your head, maybe you weren't expecting it, but I have a feeling you were just feeling really frustrated. How do you think you're feeling? And you can start to keep, teach kids emotional stuff very young, right? Like even if it's the five basics, um, hurt, mad, sad, scared, and happy. Like they can get that pretty young. Like, and you can show them pictures. Do you think you were hurt that I like took away that remote? Or do you think you were mad? Or do you think you were sad? Like, and they can point, right? And then you can say, okay, well, next time, um, cause I, cause when you hit daddy, I know you didn't want to hit daddy. I think you were just trying to express and ask for help with how to, what to do with that emotion. So, um, I think I want to have us redo it and, and we're just going to do it again. And this time I want you to practice pulling your shirt and saying, I feel mad or walking away or asking for help or, you know, going over and grabbing a stuffy and hugging it and saying, or whatever it may be, right? Like, I'm sure you have a million ideas on that front. But like, I want you to try that this time. And I think in the end, you're going to feel better. And dad's going to feel more respected. So that's one idea that would be like a redo, right? Like, okay, daddy's downstairs. Let's go downstairs. Let's just redo it. Let's do the same thing. We're going to start putting the blocks away. And instead of hitting this time, I want you just to practice one of the things. Like, do you want to pull your shirt and say, I feel mad? Or do you want to walk away and go get your calming kit? Like, what feels good to you, little guy? Um, do you want to step out in the backyard and look at the sky and listen to the birds singing? Like, what feels good? This is all the stuff we teach in the self-regulation piece, right? The self-calming part of compassion and discipline. And then you just redo it. Like, that's a, that's a redo. And then the role play would be um, a little bit more proactive or it doesn't have to be because it happens afterwards right so like say um saturday morning comes along and and you're like okay this keeps happening he keeps hitting and we're doing some things but okay saturday morning we're going to just start doing role plays consistently to get him the practice that he needs walking away so before we turn on cartoons before we go to the park before we do the fun stuff this is what i call sequencing we're just going to practice if you get frustrated today, if you get angry, if something doesn't go your way, I just want you to, all of us, I want us to practice. I need to practice too. You're not alone, kid, by the way. I need to practice too. We're all going to practice walking away or pulling our shirt. We get to choose. And then we'll high five and we'll go on about our day. That's like a role play, right? You can do that for any situation. And if you can do it with toys, it's even better. So like I have 
over here, like all my puppets I've collected over the years. Um, I have bre a breathe ball, right? Like puppets are great. When Taryn was little, it was matchbox cars because there was a mm -hmm. while where he was like calling out in class and we would line up all the matchbox cars and pretend that they were students, right? Like there's all these different things you can use. Um, so that's role plays. And then makeups would be something that wouldn't probably work for this one because you would have to have been modeling it for a while, which I know you already probably are, Alyssa, but for everyone listening, like makeups is for them to work really well with kids is they just have to be taught through modeling for a bit, like quite some time. So we always say, start by modeling with your spouse. If you, if you have a spouse or a partner, and then you can model it to your oldest and then you can start to, to recommend that they start doing makeup. So it would be like if you if your um, spouse walked in the door and you were like snippy at them one night or like maybe you just didn't stop and like give them a long enough hug and um, wasn't present enough. And you realize later like, oh, that was like I didn't even acknowledge you. I know you had that big meeting and I didn't even um, and you could say, you know, in front of the kids like, hey, I want to I want to do a makeup right now. I just. I want you to like, I want to sit down and I want to give you like hand rubs with lotion. That's like my love language is um, back when Stella was little. We knew that if we wanted to do a makeup for each other, any type foot rubs with foot rubs with lavender lotion was like our favorite makeups. But I could sit my spouse down and be like, I just want to hold your hands because I know you love to connect. And I just want to hear about your day um, as a makeup because earlier, some whatever, you could think of a million things for that. And your kids see it. And then you could also model it for your kids. This is where it gets hard, but also easy because we have plenty of times where we mess mm -hmm. up. Right. So it's oh, like, boy. Hey, that tone I used, I grabbed those wrists too tight. I yelled at you. I assumed negative intent. I said a bit of a shaming statement. Like what's wrong with you? Right. Like I just want to do a makeup right now. Um, it can be letting them stay up a little bit late and going and looking at the stars in the backyard. It can be taking them to frozen yogurt. It can be like drawing with them or their favorite activity. If they're like, want to, they love to do whatever, Minecraft. It can be playing Minecraft with them. If you're like, I hate playing Minecraft. It's an act of love. It's an act of service just to say to them like, hey, when that happened earlier, you never deserve to be yelled at. It's, it is not like I'm learning to do it differently. And this is a makeup to let you know that I really want to repair the relationship because I'm learning, I'm hanging out with Miss Alyssa, I'm hanging out with Miss Wendy <laughs> and I'm learning, right? Like, and you don't deserve that. So this is a makeup to let you know how much I love you. And thank you for your patience and your grace with me. I'm learning and growing. I'm developing life skills, just like your little one. So after you've done that, then for a while, then you can say to your kiddo, like, hey, do you think, you know, you might want to do a makeup for daddy? Do you want to do a role play? Do you want to do a redo? And at two and a half, a makeup might just look like a hug, you know, yeah. like that that's my love piece. language. Yeah, it's that yeah, repair it's piece repair. of just like, hey, I want to acknowledge, I think what's huge there in the repair is that it's when they're ready, right? That like, mm -hmm. we know that a forced apology, whether you're on the receiving end or the giving end, it yeah. doesn't feel whole. Um, and there's rad research to back that up, but that when it's time to do a makeup, that we're doing it in a space where they're really ready to repair. And that when we repair, we're ready. Like if I do something and right away, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, but yada, yada, yada. I, we had to get out that. Like I wasn't ready to actually repair. Whereas when I wait and I'm like, oh man, 
I'm sorry, bud. I earlier today when we were getting ready for lunch, I was feeling so overwhelmed and I didn't speak kindly to you. Yeah. Next time I'm going to pause and call my body so that I can speak kindly to you. I love you so much. Yeah. And then the, the, the move on. And I think the hardest part of the repair can be not taking the guilt afterward, just like, all right, I repaired and check. And now I get to yeah. move on. And that that's a, that's a rad part to model. It really is. And it's so cool. Once you start to see your kids like do naturally apologize on their own. And I even teach most of my students to, to most of the time, stop apologizing, just thank people for their grace and patience with you. But Mm -hmm. when you see your kid start doing it for the first time without being prompted, so nice because you realize you've modeled it like that is discipline. That mm-hmm. is teaching a child to take responsibility for their mistake and repair the relationship without shame. That's yeah. what everybody wants. You yeah. just want your child to learn what's going on inside of me, what's going on outside of me, like what was the choice that I made? What is the different choice that I want to make tomorrow? I'm not broken. There's nothing wrong with me. Like I can't tell you enough, listeners, shame has detrimental effects on human beings. And I'm even now realizing like even more like with my own journey it's a big deal. We got to take it out of disciplining kids. Yeah. And it's hard to take it out without a, what do we replace it with? So I'm grateful for programs like yours that can walk us through that. And, you know, with Sagey the other night, we've been doing this work since he was born and and we personally have been doing this work since before he was born. And so Mm. um, he, after he hit Zach the other night, like we all froze, he froze, Zach froze, I froze. And I did a big exhale and I said, whoa, (laughs) and just like, let that whoa sit out there for a second. Right. And like watched Zach turn to him. And I said, I was like, buddy, are you feeling frustrated? And then he buried his head in Zach and gave him a hug. And I was like, oh, are, are you feeling embarrassed? Yep. And he just like stayed into Zach. And I just said to him, I was like, he's not looking at me. I don't need him to. I just said, you're not in trouble and we're not mad at you. You're so kind. And we know that you didn't want to hurt daddy. You were feeling frustrated and your body moved faster than your brain. And we're going to help you. Yes. That's it. That's it. And like, we're going to help you is not a, we're going to help you right now because like, we're going to teach us in other ways. We're going to teach us in other moments. We're going to teach us outside the outside of this moment, but in this moment, he already knows he did something he wasn't supposed to. Yeah. He's already feeling guilty and embarrassed about it. I don't need to add to that. Yeah. Because that's exactly where the seed of shame gets placed. That moment, Alyssa, where he buried and hid, mm-hmm. that is a pivotal moment and it is never too late to undo you guys. So don't get me wrong here, but that way that you responded started a path for him to take ownership of his mistakes without shame where so many children that is it it developed so young the the desire to hide and be ashamed totally. and it's just like well and I do no. want him to feel guilt like if he makes a mistake right. I want him to know what guilt feels like and Brene has Brene Brown has really cool research outlining guilt yeah. versus shame and the long-term effects when he hits Zach, I want that. I don't want him inside to be like, oh yeah, I feel nothing. Like I want inside for him to say like, ah, oh, shoot. <laughs> I just, and, and just letting him know, like, we love you. You're not in trouble. We're going to help you. And 
I, I think for him, that shifts that from, for all kids, from shame to guilt. It was like a, you're not bad. Your body moved faster than your brain. And oh, you made perfect a bad language, choice, yeah. right? Beautiful like, language, I should say. Not perfect, beautiful language. <laughs> like, But yeah, and, and to know that there's nothing you need to do to make a child feel guilty. Like it's just mm-hmm. baked into us. It's just this natural, amazing design of these human bodies. Like if we don't get in the way, right, Alyssa? Totally. That's the thing. If we don't get in the way, the body just works so naturally. And then we assist it. We bring we bring the awareness to the surface. But But so many people think like you have to make... You have to look for it. You have to sniff it out. If it's present, you're good. But it's like, no, it's there. You just have to nurture your child to understand how to bring it to the surface and work with it. Guilt Mm -hmm. that is. So that story is really moving. Beautiful. It's just so real. I feel like, like, yeah, he hits too, right? And like inside when Zach got hit, he wasn't like, oh, I feel fine, right? Like we all were just like, whoa. (laughs) And the fact that we can like pause and say, whoa, in that moment is because we do so much work on this and like we don't always pause and say well in those moments either like there have been times where just recently I was checking Sage's mouth I was like buddy are you getting your two-year-old molars and I was like can I look inside your mouth with my finger I'm just gonna feel around and he was like "Mm -hmm, great you do we call it a watermelon mouth from a book where he opens his mouth wide and I put my finger in there and he immediately bit down and he then he doubled down. Like I was like, ow. Yeah. And when I said, ow, he went harder. And in that moment, I like squeezed his jaw to open it up. I pulled my hand out and I was like, ow, Sage, that really hurt. Like immediately reacted. So like, I also want folks to know that I'm not always like, oh, wow. <laughs> like sometimes that's not the reaction and that's okay too. And we can, we can work with them. But Wendy, thank you thank you so much for outlining this. I think recognizing and learning what we can do, because I think there's so much out there, especially on the internet about like, don't do this or don't punish or don't do timeouts or don't do shame. And it's just like with kids, if we don't learn what we can do, we don't have another choice. Um, Yeah, we panic. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm so grateful for your work in this space. Can you share a little bit about your resources and what you have available and where people can find you? Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you, Alyssa. Um, So come on over to the website, you guys, freshstartfamilyonline.com. We have a quick start learning bundle where um, you can just get some really fast um, results with changing the way you speak to and work with your children, especially if you have strong-willed kids. So we help families of all types, but especially if you have a strong-willed kid, um, this particular fast action learning bundle, we call it, is around how do you raise a strong little kid without losing your mind? (laughs) So um, just grab that, start there. We have a podcast, the Fresh Start Family Show. um, And over on Instagram, I'm at Fresh Start Wendy. And um, please come say hello. I love, um, love, love, love the DMs over there. And um, oftentimes end up exchanging voice memos with families when they find me. So please introduce yourself, screenshot uh, this episode if you love it and tag both Alyssa and I into um, your stories. And so that's just my favorite way to connect with listeners as they are, are listening to our podcast podcast or to any podcast that I've been on. And, um, and yeah, just start with that learning bundle and, and, uh, just whatever you do, just step into learning and just start creating some consistency in your life. And like, like you said, Alyssa, um, your ability to respond the way you wanted to in that situation is a culmination of what you've put in, right. You've invested in yourself and your family by learning, right. So just keep learning you guys and, and you'll be in a great place as a parent.
Yeah. Thank you so much, Wendy. All right. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at seed.and.so, S-E-W. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram, and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.